Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Song of Songs. This is the twelfth week. Fourteen, if you count. There was a week when Dan Bohai was here that he shared, and there was a week that Pastor Bob preached. And uh, so it's been fourteen weeks of reading it, but twelve weeks of sharing it. And and I I I, I say I'm going to move forward next week. <laughs> I actually think that the Lord is just giving us a foundation. Okay. And 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 the whole premise has been this idea of beloved identity, meaning that the most important thing about you is that you're beloved. That, that's what he calls you. And and so like our bridegroom king calls us beloved. And our bridegroom king, he he, he doesn't well the Bible says he gives us a new name. I actually think the new name is this. Okay? And the new job title or job description is you're beloved. And it's it's not it's not, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm a pastor, granted, I, I do lots of stuff, or I'm a husband, I'm a dad. It's, it's that he calls me beloved. Yeah. And as a church, or as a, I don't even, like, I'll say, I don't even feel like we're a church. Like, I feel like we're a church, but I feel like it's different than a church. Okay? Like, we, we've, the Lord gave us the phrase revival family, but it's, it's, it's more than family as well. And so I don't really understand that. I just know that I, I, just, I, I, I just struggle calling it church, even though it is church, and so there, you can deal with that whatever you want, but, but, but he's wanting to raise up a company of people that are actually just really sure of who they are in him, Amen. and and as he raises his, really sure who we are in him, and as he raises a company of people up who are fully aware of who they are in him, he begins to change things. And not just change things in our world, but the world around us. Come on. And, and, and what I actually believe, I said this just a few minutes ago, that, that what he's even doing on Gilmore Lane, like, did, did the city or did a group decide to plant trees? Or did the presence of the Lord begin to draw someone to actually make this area more beautiful? And, and like, I choose to believe that it's actually the Lord redeeming the land. Okay? And so that is a picture of what he wants to do. And, and actually in Isaiah, it says that like, who will, it talks about the Lord redeems people so that they can rebuild the ancient ruins. Who are the ones that rebuild the ancient ruins? The oaks of righteousness. Who are those people? Those are the ones the Lord fully redeems and restores and pulls out the muck and the mire. And some of us, we not have been lost. We may not have been lost, if you will. Like if you'd have died six months ago, you probably all would have went to heaven. All right. However, the Lord is beginning to redefine paradigms and draw you closer to Him in ways that you never thought was even possible. That's right. And so that's who gets the privilege of redeeming the land. And that's who gets the honor of bringing restoration to broken places. It's, it's not, if, if it was just a church that was a good church, it would have happened a long time ago, right? Because there's been lots of good churches for the last hundred years. There's been lots of, I mean, Louisville, the, like the, there's three nicknames for Louisville. It's, it's River City, it's Derby City, and it's actually known as the City of Churches. It was the third name that the, Louisville, the city of Louisville is named for. Why? Because there's so many stinking churches in the city. And that, not stinking churches, that was wrong. I shouldn't have said it like that. But there's so many churches in the city, 
And if the Lord was going to bring revival to the city based on the number of churches, He already would have. And what I believe the Lord is waiting for is a company of people that get rooted in beloved identity and understanding who we are in Him because then we can Amen. begin to live out and articulate to a world who they are if they begin to see their eyes or see themselves the way that He sees them. And, and it's impossible. We have tried for, for a century to reach a lost and broken world without fully understanding this. And, and we've, done, we've been successful. We've convinced people to pray a prayer to go to heaven. But we have yet to usher in heaven to such a degree that it transforms cities, right? right? We've yet to usher in heaven to where the strip club closes down or the tarot reading places close down, right? Or we've yet to do it to where politicians start calling for noontime hours of prayer, which happened in 1903 in Louisville, as a matter of fact, when, when it said that the topic of conversation, the newspaper actually wrote about it, the newspaper wrote in 1903 that the only topic of conversation was, what must I do to be saved? And I think the Lord just wanted to raise people up. Amen. And so, so my prayer is this. Not that you can say, well, well our, our church preached through the Song of Songs. I've never experienced that before, brother. And we tell other people, no. What I'm praying is the Lord is beginning to convince you of how he feels about you. And God actually does have feelings. Yes. How he feels about you. And you begin to walk around with your head held high because you're convinced that he loves you. And if you get convinced he loves you, you're convinced he loves everyone else because you know how messed up you were. And that probably you start to think that no one else is as messed up as you. And so it's like, well, you're not near as bad as I was, so he has to love you. Start to think like that, man. It's incredibly selfish to keep this to ourselves. But, but, but then it's, it's also incredibly narcissistic to think he only wants to do this amongst us as well. Right. Right. Yeah. He wants to convince us what the Lord is inviting you into is a lifetime of intimacy with him. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the only way this flame, and we experienced a little bit this morning, the only way this flame continues is if we steward the fire of personal devotion in our day-to-day -day life. Yes. It's, I, I promise you, if, if, if this thing is to go on and to actually increase, and I say increase like, I, I, I'm not just talking about numerically, I'm talking about like, like mm -hmm. governmental authority, if you will, as far as like the Lord using us to reach more than just what we're able to reach. Like, like, like for example, like, you know, we're church 50, 40, 50, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But like last month, we had almost 3,000 people listen to our podcast. So good. I think that's expanding the reach. That's right. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so how can the Lord use a company of people in a dilapidated shopping center to go ahead and begin to reach yeah, further so and further right. out? We actually had a church, at, when I was at the Awakening, I had someone come up to me and said that, said that their church was in a transition and so they've been playing our Facebook live services on Wednesday night so that they actually have teaching and worship and preaching. Like and again, like and it's not to say that we're it's just saying the Lord is using us and when we and we fail to recognize what he's doing when we don't honor what he's doing in the moment. All right? And so he wants to raise people up. Now we get to the song of song. I, my heart's all over today. I'm sorry. Well I'm not sorry, but the Lord's gonna mark us today. Yes. Alright, so look at Song of Songs 8. I just want to get into it and read the word and take off. And then I'm going to 
really just share what the Lord is doing here. Song of Psalms 8, I'm just going to start with verses 5 and 6. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Beneath the apple tree I wakened you. This is him talking, the bridegroom king. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Beneath the apple tree I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. There she was in labor and gave you birth. Really, if you read the Passion, it actually talks about he takes her back to the place of where she was born again. And the Lord, what he's wanting to do is remind us of the fire of first love. Like when you first met Jesus and his word was alive to you and like you, you picked this up and you weren't just trying to be like, well, what does the Beth more devotional say to do this week? Or what does the Jesus calling devotional tell me to read today? No, it's when you begin to get into this thing and the word was alive and you're like, oh my goodness, this is about my life story. And this is right where I am right here in this moment. Like he's releasing a holy fascination with him again. Right? He's wanting to, to take us back to that point when he saved us. And it's like, I can't believe you actually love me, but I'm thankful that you did. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to spend time with you and talk to you because what I'm experiencing right now, I've never experienced before. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's like this. I don't think we, we're supposed to live like from glory and it's like to glory. I, I don't think that's his intention. I think his intention is for us to live from glory to glory to glory to glory. And that's not hyped up emotionalism. That's a life of greater intimacy, okay? And so, so we have this text here. It says, who is this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved beneath the apple tree where, where your mother was in labor with you? Where There she was in labor and gave you birth. And in verse 6, he says this, put me on like a seal over your heart. Put me on like a seal over your arm, and I'll explain what that is in a minute. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as Sheol or hell. It's flashes, or flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. And so, so he's saying here, like his love is intense for his bride. It's not, it, it's, it's not just an arranged marriage where he's like, ah, eventually I'll learn to love her, right? He's like, no, I jealously love her. My love is as strong as death. And actually, New Covenant, it's stronger than death, right? Because he defeats death, hell, and grave. His love is fierce. He is jealous for a bride that actually only wants him. He wants no other lovers for his bride. Uh, he's like, I want them all to myself. And the Lord, I believe, is starting to raise up a people that says, I only want him. Everything else is inconsequential, right? And it's not saying we forsake stuff and forsake things. It's just saying that we recognize that he's the one that's given it to us. And that without fully loving him, I can't fully appreciate what He has given me in my life. Alright. So this is what I believe the Lord's raising up. The Lord is raising up a company of people. In the, I say company of people. That's what we are. He's raising up a company of people that's obsessed with intimacy with Him. Amen. That's the only thing that matters. It's, it, it really is. It's like if, 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 like, if, and I want to counsel and I want to meet with you and I want to talk with you, as soon as Bob, Bob, we'll talk about that later, but, but 
I promise you, the answer to every problem when we have in our life is, is more time with Him. Yes. Listen, that's right. <laughs> the, the, the answer to every problem we ever have is just more intimacy with Him. And, and what we'll find is some of the problems that we have really aren't even problems. It's just a misappropriation of things that are important, right? right? It's like we put more we put more weight on some things than others. And if we would just fix our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, right? If we would just stare at the ones whose eyes are burning like fire right now, it would actually begin to mark us. And it's like, eh, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, yeah. The Lord is raising up a, a company of people that only want intimacy with the Lord. And, and so what is intimacy with the Lord? It looks like when He starts to show up, we stop whatever we're doing because He's here. Amen. It's like when we, like our pre-service prayer time, it's not so we can say we have prayer. It's actually, we're, Lord, we're rolling out the red carpet for you. Wow. Yeah. Mm. It's so good. Hmm. Song of Songs 3.6 it says, it's fascinating to me, uh, and I'll, 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 I'll parallel this here in a second. The Song of Songs 3 6, it says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke? This was actually the Father speaking about Jesus coming out from the wilderness. And so here's this picture of the bridegroom king coming out from the wilderness. All right? So, who is this coming up out of the wilderness like columns of smoke, meaning his glory, perfumed perfume with myrrh and frankincense, with all scented powders of the merchant? All right. So the first time the bridegroom, he comes up out of the wilderness looking for a bride. And then we read right here just a moment ago in 8.6, it said, or I'm sorry, 8.5, it says, who is this coming up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? So the first time the wilderness is mentioned in Song of Songs, it was the bridegroom king coming out looking for a bride. And then he meets his bride, and then he takes her to the wilderness, and then we get this picture right here where she comes out, and she's actually leaning upon him. Who is this coming up out of the wilderness leaning upon him? What I believe the Lord is doing is he's teaching us to live with a lean, if you will. Now, this, now it, it makes perfect sense. Now, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Like, why would he want to take us to the wilderness? Let's be honest. The last few months, for many of you in this church, you have went through very hard times in hell. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything you don't know. Some of you went through sickness. Some of you went through family mess. Some of you went through financial mess. You went through all these things. It's like, I'm in a wilderness season, brother. I'm in a wilderness season, brother. We say stuff like that. But the wilderness is not a bad place. The wilderness is the place where he proclaims his jealous love over you. That's Hosea 2.14, which says, I will, I will allure her to the wilderness and speak kindly over her. That's Hosea 2.14. And Hosea probably had the worst call in all the Bible. He did. He had to marry a prostitute. And then she kept running off. And he kept going back after her. And he says, therefore, I will alert her to the wilderness and speak kindly to her. What does that mean? It means this. And this is what the Lord wants to do. He wants us to live this wilderness lifestyle where he says he speaks kindly. I think I've probably shared some of this before. But when he says he speaks, he proclaims his reign and his living, active, dynamic word 
over her. And so what he does is this. Even though you're going through a hard time, I'm still good. That's right. Yeah. Even, though, even though you're going through hell, I'm still That's really, right. really good, right? Even though uh, your friends and family left, I'm still good. Even right. though that you've been sick or hurt, I'm still really good. Okay. I'm all powerful. I'm all sufficient. Yeah. I'm almighty. He takes you to those places where he begins to speak that over top of you. And what he does is, and I'm not saying he causes those bad things to go. I'm just saying that he wants to get you into a place of really solitude, right? Not isolation where you're alone, but he wants to get you to a place of solitude where you are only with him. And he begins to brag about himself over top of your life so that when the next thing comes, you're like, no, he is good. He saw me to the other side, right? It's like the Israelites. He's already split the sea and I walked right through it. Now I'm coming to Joshua, Joshua 3, 5, and they say, consecrate yourself for the Lord God will do something amazing among you, right, tomorrow. And so they had to cross the Jordan River to the promised land. It's like, man, if I put my foot in this water, he's already did it one time. He's going to do it this next time to me too. See, he wants to convince you of his goodness. That's what this beloved identity stuff is, is he wants to convince his bride that he's actually good. He's not a vindictive father. He's not a harsh, he's not a harsh bride that wants to beat his bride. And I'm sorry for using that language, but he's 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 not going to be like, come here so he can thump you, right? He, it's like, and you can always tell, like sometimes you can tell how people treat their pets, for instance. <laughs> You can you can you can tell a dog you can tell by a dog if it's been beat by its owner. Because if you're around a dog that's been beat and you put your hand out, it recoils. But if it hasn't been, it just comes to you like you're just gonna love on me. I think some of us approach God like a dog that's been wounded, and we think he's oh, he's gonna get me today. But rather than think he's going to get me, what if it's like, oh, yeah, your, your correction is good. See, it's not saying he's not going to correct you. We live in a society where no one wants to be corrected. And we, th- we think, oh, you're not being loving because you said something's wrong. No, that's garbage. Right? A loving father brings correction. Right? A loving father will bring correction and conviction. It's like this. I mean, it's the same principle. Like, if you have a stove and you have a little kid... Like, you, you tell your kid, don't put your hand on the fire, right? You're going to get burned. It's the exact same thing in what we're doing. A loving father brings correction because he doesn't want you to get hurt. He will allow you to do it if you're dumb enough to grab that fire. He's going to lie. And it's only going to take one time, hopefully. Hopefully, you don't keep going back to it. I don't know what's wrong with my life. I don't know what's wrong with my life. I don't know what's wrong with my life, right? So we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And the Lord just wants us to get rooted in His goodness so that we don't don't do that anymore. So he takes you out to the wilderness and be like, I took care of your friend this one time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I like I think the next time you have someone through a major surgery, I'll be like, well, well, Tim, he, he got out of rehab much quicker than he should have. So maybe you're gonna get out of rehab much quicker That's this right. time, right? I start thinking about that stuff. For like yes. uh, like years ago we were struggling financially and someone left money and they had no idea they left money underneath our windshield wiper. Well he took care of us. Maybe he'll take care of you when you're that time. Like he takes you out to those places to brag about himself. The problem is we don't want to go out there alone because we're scared to death of what he's going to say when we're alone with him. 
Witch! <laughs> Puberty. <laughs> I wonder what it's going to look like when I start to grow body hair. <laughs> How's that? Which is why... Which is why... Sometimes this is easier for people when they're at home. Uh, come on. Because it's easier to hide in a crowd and raise your hands and stand up and worship than it is to get up in the morning hours when no one else is watching you. Because you can't take his eyes on you. And if you would begin to get rooted in this beloved identity, if you will, you would start to realize that his eyes on you actually begin to bring forth the transformation and the answers that you need right in your heart. But the problem is we don't stare or allow ourselves to remain in that gaze. And so he boasts about himself. I think the Lord wants to raise up a company of people that just actually understand that he's really good. Like it, it does not, listen, we sing that song, Miracles Happen When You Move, right? It does not do a bit of good for me to up here know God can raise the dead, God can heal the sick, God can cleanse the lepers, God can cast out demons, right? It does not, like, like until that begins to migrate from here to here, I'm not going to see him move. Come on. Right? And so we, what we have is we have a society, I say society, we have a bunch of Christian people that can articulate what God has done in the past and have no grid for what he wants to do right now. And not that he's a broken record, but if he's did it once, he wants to do it again and Amen. again and again and again. Yes. <clears throat> so he takes us out there. And that, this is actually fascinating too. The word speak it means to brag and to boast, but it also means to give a proposal to him. So he gets, like, think about it. Like, a lot of y'all are married. You remember your engagement story? <laughs> See, Doss is looking at Logan. <laughs> so it's like, it's like the Lord goes and he gets you alone to do this. So good. And when I proposed, like, I didn't, I, I didn't want everyone and their brother with us. I wanted it to be her and I. Some of us are scared to death to get alone because we're afraid of what this actually means. And what we don't understand is this right here, this is the premise or the purpose of the gospel. Is to walk in union with him. That 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 is it. Is is it to get people to die to go to heaven? Yes. But I'm scared to death we miss out on this right here. Like, that's going to be amazing, and we can't even fathom or articulate it. But I think that if we could get this down, right here would be a lot more enjoyable than it probably currently is. <laughs> and it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect, but it's like, I've got that ring on my finger. I'm good. I get through anything knowing that you're walking with me. Right? This means wanting to raise the people up. It's 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 so not it is so not about like like I just I joke about it like this house 
it should have nothing to do with donuts being fresher. I don't even That's think we brought donuts today. And it should have nothing to do with our coffee being hotter than anyone else's, right? Or depending on who makes it, how strong it is. Like it's, oh, Milton made it today, so you know you're going to sprout a couple extra chest hair, right? <laughs> he, just, he just makes it that way. He's, he's preaching in Reber today. That's where he is. But um, anyway, it's, it's not about those things. It's about the amount of his presence that we have here. And he's all places at all times. But I want it to be so real and tangible here that people walk in the room and they're like, I, if they don't have a grip for who he is, they're like, man, I don't know what it is about this place. But I've, I've got the feels right now, if you will, right? Like we want more of him. And so he's looking for this company of people that steward him with intimacy. I actually think this. I actually think this, that, that the next great revival will be a bunch of people that are madly in love with Jesus. That's it. He's looking for lovers. All right. The Lord is also raising up a generation who I said walk with a lean. Which, it says, who is this coming up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? What's the lean? The lean is walking with weakness. If we could have done this under our own strength, if we could have done this with our catchy sermon series and our catchy graphics, we would have done this by now. Actually, probably other churches would have done it by now, right? They would have. It would have already happened. But the Lord is looking for a bride that, that literally leans upon Him. And that word leaning, it does mean to lean, but it actually means to be ever renewed as you're leaning. And so, so it's like if He were to move, I would fall, but I'm not going to fall. But, and it's this posture of weakness, but it happens to be that this is the strongest place I can actually live is when I walk with this lean. And like if I had someone up here leaning on me, it would be like this. Like if they were leaning on me right now, they would have to move with every step that I took in order not to fall. And that's what the Lord is wanting to do, yes. right? Now, see, sometimes we're like, well, I'm afraid to lean because I'll go forward and God goes this way and then we crash and burn. <coughs> well, what if we live so intimately with Him that that wasn't even a concern because we knew we were going to walk step by step by step with Him. Yes. And if Jesus did that, and Jesus did, right, because He didn't do anything unless He first saw or heard the Father say or do it, right? So if Jesus could live that way, then because His Spirit lives inside of us, He's inviting us into that same kind of intimacy with Him. So He's looking for this company of people that says, we can't do it without you. Yeah, that's right. And not just church, but my day-to-day life, man. (laughs) Again, and I go back to -to day-to-day life, like I want God to move here. But I want you to have encounters with the Lord in your kitchen, right? I want Him to wake you up in the middle of the night and you're like, I have no idea why I'm awake. I wish I could go back to sleep. And rather than having that thought, I wish I could go back to sleep, maybe it's God is here and He wants to speak to me right now about something going on, right? Or He wants to put someone in my heart and I begin to intercede for them. He's been doing that more and more with me and, and, and at first I was annoyed because I'm like I'm tired but then what I found is he starts waking me up and I'm more awake than I would have if I got a full eight hours okay. it's fascinating to me leaning it means to support oneself it means to recline it's a place of renewal Martin Luther said this that, that wherever you hang your heart on is your God so here's this picture. It's like, yeah, wherever you hang... I, like, I love that. Praise the Lord for Martin Luther, right? He's, wherever you hang your heart, 
heart. And so if I if I put my heart on my job, if I put my heart on my family, if I put my heart on my finances, if I put my heart on my sickness or, or my health or whatever, then that is actually what becomes my God. But if I lean upon Him and I'm like, here it is, and I hang it on Him, then that is who my God is. Yeah. The Lord is looking for a people that says, I'm going to lean on you. Yeah. I am weak. I may be terribly flawed, but I'm becoming more like you every single day. I don't have to have it all together because you are literally holding me up moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. This is what he's inviting us into, church. He's not inviting us into, I'm going to River City Hope. Well, praise God. We do things different. Who cares? He's inviting us into intimacy with him. This bride, she she leaned. This bride, when she says, "Who is who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her blood?" She leaned because she knew she needed his strength. Yeah. Yes. It's not that she didn't have the ability to walk on her own. She knew she needed his strength. That's right. She leaned because the way is long. Look, the Lord. Some of us have more time than others. I I understand. But this journey is a long journey. And there will be times of weariness. There will be times of difficulty. There will be seasons. There will be ages that you go through. She understood that the journey that they were going to travel was very long. And so she leaned on him so that he could help her. She leaned also because the path is ascending. Meaning that she leaned on him because they were going to ascend the hill of the Lord. <laughs> they were going to ascend his holy mountain together. And, and, and so in order to go up, she needed someone to hold her so that she could have her balance. Yeah. Some of us, we lose our equilibrium because we're not leaning on him, right? She, she leaned because she was confident in him. And that's the thing. Like, it's easy to lean upon the Lord, Proverbs chapter 3. It's easy to lean upon the Lord when everything's going good. Yeah. yeah. You're right. But what about when everything goes to hell in a handbasket? Right? I'm serious, like... Praise God, I got an extra check in the mail. It's great that the bill's not due this month. The kids got straight A's on the report card. It's just wonderful this week. It's easy to lean on the Lord like that. But what about when the rug gets pulled out from underneath of us? What about when we go to the doctor and we get a sickness diagnosed that we weren't expecting, right? What about when we lose a loved one that we weren't expecting to lose, right? Or what about when you go in and you think the boss is going to promote you and he actually gives you the pink slip, right? What do you do in those moments? If you're not leaning on your beloved, you're going to fall flat on your face. That's right, Michael. It's easy to do this when it's good. The Lord is looking for a church, for a group of people that says, I'm not in it just for when it's easy and good. I'm going to do that because no matter what's going on, if I actually believe all things work together for the good, even though the devil messed this up, you're actually going to help me and you're going to take this and you're going to use it to to, to get back at him or however you want to think about it, however you want to say about it. But he's looking for a people that lean. Amen. Praise God. And it's difficult when things are going hard because everyone around you is giving you advice on why things are going messed up. Yeah, sure. And it's probably really good advice, but there's a way that seems right to me. That's right. Come on. Wow. You're right. You're right, Michael. 
And when things are hard, when things are hard, there's some people that love you, that have the best intentions for you, that are giving you some really poor advice. That's right. Because that advice is without a link. Wow. Come on. Come on. He's giving to me right now. It's Come on. Advice is coming from a place from someone that may not be leaning, and that's not the judge, that's not the content, that's not to anything. I'm just saying we've got to live in that posture. Yes. Right. We've got to live in that posture. He's yeah. looking for it, man. And I'm convinced, like, and, and we, and it, I think, let me say this. One, the Lord chose us to be born for such a time as this, right? Yeah. He chose for us to walk this planet on probably one of the worst times in human history when it seems like it's getting darker and darker yeah. and darker. Did he do it so we could point out the darkness or did he do it so that we can lean on him and bring transformation to our lives? Maybe he actually trusts us with the planet. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't actually coincidence, right, that we're here right now. Maybe he's like, ah, Michael Perkins, you're alive right now because I willed you and I destined you right now for this Because you're going to lean when no one else will lean. You're going to trust when no one else will trust. You're going to be established in belovedness when everyone else is consumed with all of these things. And I think if I could just get consumed with this thing, with him, and if we could convince you all to get consumed with him, we would start to see probably the greatest revival we've ever seen on the history of the earth. Amen. Yeah. It's not ignoring our problems. It's like this. I actually think <laughs> this is interesting. Leaning actually would be a picture of John the Beloved that was leaning <laughs> up against Jesus' yeah. chest yeah. at the yeah. table, right? Yeah. And maybe when I lean, maybe I'm just a little bit closer to his ear. I don't know. And I can right. whisper, Jesus, will you save my lost loved one right yeah. now? Will you go ahead and speak to him? You're holding me up right now and they've been going through this hard time. But would you just go ahead and speak to them? Then I don't have to shout and get his attention, right? Like, and, and I'm convinced, like, like, I think there is a time for shouting and hollering and yelling. I just happen to think that we go to that and the Lord is just wanting people to begin to learn to whisper to him. That's how Esther saved an entire generation from the Holocaust. Come on. Esther, Esther, but... but I don't know where this comes, but Esther, <laughs> Esther, she did. She saved an entire generation from the Holocaust. Right. They picked her out, which the Lord picked you out before the beginning of time, right? right. They picked her out and identified her and thought, "You're going to be make an acceptable bride for the king." And so, what did she do? She began to go through this process of this process of where they would every day they would cover her with oil or every day would they put lotion on her and it's actually this process of beautification if that's even a term and she went through this process and I actually think that's what the Lord is doing in here right now is he's beautifying your heart if you will and purifying your heart so that when you're presented to the king he goes And then her people get in trouble, right? And they're trying to, someone's wanting to kill all the Jews. And rather than her being like, listen to me, listen to me, or picketing, right? 
she goes and gets an audience alone with him into his court. Not court, but holy court, his royal court. And she goes and she whispers, says, could you please save this people? Because she had spent time with him. He did. What, what if revival is a consequence of us being able to whisper to the Lord and lean upon our beloved? If it was shouting and stomping the devil, it would have happened a long time ago. And I'm not, and again, I, I, I'm not dogging this. I think there's a time and a place for it. I really do. I really, really do. I just think the Lord is looking for people that want him to mistake. All right. Now, now here, here's what's fascinating. The lean actually qualifies us to be used by God. You want to be used by God? Learn to Jimmy Williams. Jimmy says, I, I walk with a limp. Yeah. <laughs> The lean is actually what qualifies us to be used by God. And this is where I'm going to begin to transition. And this is where I believe, and, and we'll, we're, we're, I'm going to transition from some teaching in a second to we're actually going to have some prayer. And I'll probably going to lay hands on people today. Not that you need me to lay hands on you. Because the Lord can touch you in your seat. Okay? Alright. He says, put me. This is fascinating. The bridegroom king says, put me on like a seal on your heart and put me on like a seal on your arm. Now, what's fascinating is in ancient history, they, they obviously they most people didn't know how to read or write. And so most people would have a seal, if you will. And you guys have seen it like they would have hot wax, don't seal, put it on the letter. And if they had that seal, then it meant that it was actually an official letter. Everyone's seal was different. So what they would do is, let's say this, like the king would have the seal, and the king would wear the seal one of two places, around his neck, where it hung on his heart, or he would wear it around his arm, okay? Typically, the king would wear it around his heart, but if Bob went down the road and you needed to make something on my behalf, you would wear it around your arm, and then someone would be like, and you delivered a decree, and they saw that you had my seal. You're actually operating with yeah. my authority that I sent you with, okay? Yeah. And so, so here's this seal the Lord wants to mark us with. He wants to mark our hearts, and he wants to mark our arms. And I believe this. I believe the heart would be, <laughs> the heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? The heart is your sanctification, if we want to use our Nazarene holiness term, the, the, or it is the baptism <coughs> of the Holy Spirit. And then you can come on back. You're okay. And, and I'm like standing in front of you. And then on the arm, that's the anointing and that's the power of God. Yeah. Because the Lord doesn't just want a holy, spotless bride purified. He actually wants a powerful bride that performs his decrees here on earth as they are in heaven. Yeah. The problem is, for too long, we've tried to operate with the authority of God and never oh. have been transformed by God. It's true, right? Like, and very practically, it's like this: like turn or burn, sinners, right? And we yell and scream at our spouse and our kids when we're at home, or we'll be like, "You need to repent and give your life to Jesus," or "Let me pray for you, brother," right? And we're looking at porn on the internet. Come on, come on. 
Now I'm not being mean. I'm just saying that we want to operate and act like the Lord's with us. And actually David says, if I would have cherished sin in my heart, you never would have heard me. Yeah. So what good does all this stuff do if he hasn't taken care of this? Wow. And that, again, that's not to be mean. I'm just saying there, there's, there's purity and there's power. That's what Rob McCorkle teaches, preaches, right? My spiritual father. There's, there's word and there's spirit. There's word and there's spirit, right? Or there's, there's purity and then there's power, if you will. And the Lord desires to raise up a people that actually live in both. It's not enough. I believe in holiness, brother, right? It's like, well, does holiness flow through us? Come on. <laughs> All right, so... Our heart, I believe the Lord's going to mark our hearts this morning with fire. Put me on, put me like a seal over your heart. Leviticus 6.13 says the fire on the altar shall never go out. Yes. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to say this. And I hope this is coming from a loving place, so hear my heart. If you're not as on fire as you were six months ago, is it because the Lord's fire diminished or is it because you were burning your own fire? Come on. Because if his fire never goes out, yeah, if his fire never goes out, maybe we're burning the wrong fire. If we're tired, if we're worn out, if we're weary in our well-doing, maybe, right? And this is why some people quit, and this is why some people go away, because they're doing it under their own strength. I, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be You can't try to be good. It's like this. This is why people that, this is why sin management never works. Come on. The, the, this is why managing like, and, and like I understand, I think there's good stuff that comes from it. And, but, but, but this is why if someone says I'm struggling with porn, this is why I don't even, I like, like I've had guys come to me and say, I want to send you my email every week. And so you see my browsing history. And, and I just think that's, hear my heart. I think that's dumb. Because all you're doing is setting up a parameter so that if you did it, you would feel guilty and you would not do it. You just don't want to get caught. But the Lord wants to take that inclination that's in your heart and burn it with the holy fire so that you don't run back to that. Now, if you run back to that, don't receive it as guilt, shame, and condemnation. He's like, would you just come back, right? And we'll, we'll send my fire back to that thing. See, we, we, we try to do things under our own volition, and the Lord's looking for a company of people that no longer does things under our own volition. Right. He's looking for a group of people that does it under the strength by leaning, right? It's like, I, I want Him to purify my heart. Well, maybe if we learn to walk weak enough for long enough, maybe He actually will. Amen. And it's not just porn. It's not whatever. You could say it's all kinds of stuff. It's, it's like, the, like I, I tried to quit chewing tobacco for years. I started when, and kids don't, it's just dumb, and I, whatever. I started when I was 12 years old, and I tried to quit, I don't know how many times, and it was 13 years ago, the Lord finally took it away. Amen. Amen. April threw it away on her birthday, and it's like, do you want this? And I was like, no, but I knew God had finally set me free from it. And I tried to quit, and tried to quit, and I'd go back, and I'd go back, and I finally just had to say, you need to take this from me. That's right. You can use it for whatever illustration you want. And this is why I'm believing the Lord for truth. This is why I taught last week. Like for years I've had messed up gums and I have taught. I have taught. You're going to have to deal with the consequences of your sin. And if his blood really does cover everything, right? By his stripes I am healed. So I have to deal with those consequences. I'm believing the Lord's going to heal my gums. That's right. Amen. 
case. Put me on like a seal over your heart. Heart, it's it means your inner man, your mind, your will, and emotions. It's it, it it's when the Lord places a seal on your heart, it's actually a picture of fidelity. He's a loyal. He's not gonna cheat on you. He's not gonna be like saw you without your makeup on today, buddy. <laughs> right? I'm going to find me another ride. He doesn't think like that. And he puts the seal on his arm. He wants to put himself like a seal on our arm. I think the arm, I think that's a picture of the anointing and the power of God. Arm. Arm all throughout the Bible it, it like there's nothing. And I think if the Lord wants to mark us, I think the Lord wants to begin to mark our house with people that live under the power of the gospel or live with the power of the gospel. Yes. So practically, what does that look like? It looks like that they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Amen. It means that you will walk into the bank and you're going to be able to give Jesus. Why does it mean you're going to be like, you know, I'm going to lay hands on you. It's not that, man. Don't be weird. Like, seriously, don't be weird. Be yourself who He made you to be, but if He gives you an opportunity, seize it, right? And listen, and I'm convinced, like, I prayed for someone the other day at the gas station, and they were on the other side, and, and they were they were cussing up a storm, man. They couldn't figure out how to work that confangled machine, is what He was saying, right? <laughs> And I'm like, do you need help? And he goes, obviously I do. He's an older guy. <laughs> like, well, let me help. And so he hands me his debit card, and I put his debit card in, and he's at Kroger and Shelbyville, and he's like, well, I, I, what, what's this plus thing? And I'm like, well, do you have a Kroger membership? Yes, I do. I'm like, what's your phone number? He gives it to me. We do this whole thing, and we set up a stuff. And, and he's like, I just don't understand all this stuff. And, and he goes, it's cold, and I'm hurting. I'm like, you're hurting. <laughs> What's hurting? Well, my knees. <laughs> I'm old. That's what he told me. <laughs> so he's hollering at me the whole time. <laughs> I said, sir, I'm going to pray for you right now. Is that okay? And he says, who the heck are you? That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> who the heck are you? And I... Father, in the name of Jesus, touch his knees. He gets overcome by the love of the Lord, right? He starts weeping. Yeah. Who the heck are you? Who the heck are you? Who the heck are you? I'm, like, I'm just the guy that loves Jesus. He says, I go to church. I go to church. <laughs> you wouldn't have known it by what he's saying. <laughs> That's why you need the purification in the heart. It's neither here nor there. That's not going to always be like that. Yeah. It's not always going to be like that. It could be as simple as you're at the checkout line and the person in front of you gets mad because they're an extreme coupon person. They don't think that that young 15, 16-year-old kid working the cash register has a brain and they like start letting them know how dumb they think that they are. And you just get on right up front and say, everything on your 
interaction. I know you're smart. Yeah. Come on, dude. You're like, it's so, so practical. We need the Lord to anoint us to be able to, to get over our fear of demonstrating the love of God. That's it, man. It's it's like it's like I want signs and wonders and miracles, but what I really want them to do is I want them to in that moment, I feel them right now. In that moment, I want them. To know that He's real and He actually cares about them. That is what we are actually doing. It's not about how many people we see like an old man like, what the heck? It's not that. It's about... And you know what I'm talking about because you can feel it. You can sense it. He's looking to mark our church. He's looking to mark our people. That's right. And, and like, there's going to be times when you look like a complete fool, and that's okay. Because if, if I'm a fool, may it be for Jesus, right? That's what Paul said. If I'm a fool, if, if I'm wise, it's for you. But if I'm a fool, it's for him. And I'd rather be a fool for Jesus any day than keep a little bit of my dignity Amen. so that I don't look stupid in front of a complete stranger that probably will never, ever remember me for the rest of their life. That's right. And it's not about them knowing who I am anyway. It's about giving them an encounter with the Lord. That's right. Amen. Come on. Amen. That's why in Jesus in Luke 4, I'm going to finish with this verse. That's why Jesus in Luke 4, like, I love what he did. Shows up. He shows up and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's upon me. Yeah. I almost did this. And that's totally inappropriate for right now. I'm dreaming genie. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover to the sight of blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. <coughs> We get marked in our hearts. You know why it's so important to get your heart marked before you ever get your arm marked? It's like, let's, let's say this. How many of you have ever seen on TV or the internet a famous evangelist that's fallen from grace? That's a lot. And so what's it do? It gives Jesus a bad name and therefore people associate everyone with that one person's abuse. That's why it's so important to get our heart marked first, man. Because then, if my heart is marked, then when he starts to flow through me, it's never going to be about me. I'll never think (laughs) the revelation, right? Or I'm God's man of power. Like, oh, stupid. No. I'm leaning on my beloved. I was in the wilderness. By the way, I think you can go to the wilderness every single day. Yeah. You're right. I think that's your secret place. Yes. That's right. I go get along with him and he speaks kindly about himself to me. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to hopeforrivercity.com. Again, that's hope, the number four, rivercity.com.